Our fight to eradicate corruption, maladministration, unethical leaders, and the abuse of taxpayers' money by those in power continues. It's fresh, it's fearless, and focused. The Outer Hour, where your voice matters. Good evening and welcome to yet another Outer Hour. I'm Tom London, your Outer Hour host. We're broadcasting live out of the Radio Today studios. This show is brought to you by Outer. You can listen to the show on 1485 medium wave across Gauteng, across the African continent on DSTV channel 869. And you can use the TuneIn app search for Radio Today if you'd like to audio stream. But we like you here on Facebook, where we get to make new friends and talk about huge issues, the number one issue being corruption in South Africa. So, let me be the first to welcome you tonight. Thank you for joining us. Looking forward to your comments. Please pop them in the comment section down below this video, and we'll make sure that as many of the comments and questions get put to our guests this evening. First up on the Outer Hour, I think I'm going to welcome the CEO of Outer, Wayne Duvenage. Wayne, it's always good to have you on board. How are you this evening, Wayne? Uh, how's it, Tom, and, and to the uh, viewers and, and to our panelists this evening, a great show. I think uh, I'm excited, Tom, because of things that are going down in the uh, whole space of accountability. Lots of good announcements this week uh, with uh, Richard Luley. Uh, the Hawks now taking on the asbestos high thieves, the thugs there. More announcements tomorrow. I think we'll talk a little bit about that, but I think I think the message we want to say is to the cynics and the people who just said this isn't going to happen. It's happening. Uh, and when you look back, there has been so much happening. But looking forward to a good show tonight, uh, Tom. Wayne, uh, the newspaper headlines and the news headlines are dominated by arrests this afternoon. Uh, seven uh, warrants for arrest issued in the uh, Free State Asbestos Audit case. And we are hearing rumors that um, the, uh, the, there's a high-ranking official that will be arrested in connection with the Basasa case. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that's, what we, that's what we're talking about. And we've always known that these, these cases are coming. They've just been too slow. And, and you know, we think so much more should have happened by now. But, but we know this, uh, the, the, the criminal justice system has been hollowed out. There's been, uh, they're undercapacitated. And, and, and we realize this. So there's been a lot of criticism and pressure, and rightly so in many respects. But, but you know, this is now happening. There, there, there are big uh, shifts that are happening. I mean, who, who would have said a while ago that Richard Nduli would have been uh, arrested? Yeah. Uh, he got away with uh, so much, and obviously uh, his implications were uh, involvement in the murder of, his, uh, uh, of, of one of his uh, acquaintances, lovers, and, and it protected completely, as were these people in the Free State uh, with this asbestos order, 255 million rand, and the final company that actually did the audit, which we still think at 21 million rand is overpriced. Nonetheless, um, and tomorrow, yeah, we've got our speculations as to who that is. But there's been so much else, Tom. Uh, you've got to, I think when you're turning a massive ship like this, you don't feel the turn unless you look back at the wake. And we've got a lot of things to share with the public of what has actually happened. Stuff that would never have happened under Jacob Zuma's watch. 
so this is good news. I think we must start celebrating uh, these arrests today. I thought of Clive Beckett when uh, I saw the arrests uh, coming in this afternoon, and I haven't seen him join the room yet, but for sure, if he's around, he'll be joining us tonight. I'm sure you thought of Clive as well. Uh, Clive, expressing the feeling of many South Africans, the question that's been on many lips, uh, when will we see people getting arrested for corruption and corrupt activities in South Africa? Uh, Is this the beginning, Wayne? Yeah, look, it's begun a while ago. You know, you've got to look at what uh, uh, Ramaphosa has done in, in taking out Moyani and changing boards in uh, you know equipping the independent directorate, uh, the SIU, uh, Shamila Batoy and the NPA, those were the stepping stones. Then the Zonda Commission, changing the Zonda Commission's terms so that the information can be used in the courts of law. And, and there are lots of others. I'm leaving out a lot. Uh, stuff that would never have happened. So this is this is just a big shift, and why it's why it's really big, uh, Tom, is because these are senior-ranking people uh, with the uh, with the ANC. You know, the DG at at, at the Department of Minerals and Energy, at Tabani Zulu. Uh, you know, uh, this is this is uh, Mantashi's right-hand person. He's arrested. Uh, so so there's good things going down now. This is big stuff. Uh, these are people that acted with impunity. Their fingerprints are all over the cookie jar. Uh, and they have acted brazenly over the past. Those electronic fingerprints cannot be removed. They are all in trouble. I'm telling you now that Brian Molefe, Anosh Singh, uh, Ben Ngobane, uh, these guys are not sleeping well. They're not sleeping comfortably. They know what's coming their way. Stay tuned. We've got a fascinating show lined up for you tonight with fascinating guests. Uh, We have the chairperson of the SAA Pilots Association joining us this evening, as well as aviation expert Lyndon Burns. Grant Back, the chairperson, is joining us uh, in the second part of the show. We're going to spend about 15 minutes talking about Outer's call to extend the driver's license renewal period from five to ten years with Dominic and CB in just a moment. But let's start looking at some of the comments and see who's on first tonight. As is customary on the Outer Hour, we welcome you. Tony Peterson was first tonight. Tony says, hello. Uh, hi, Outer. Jeff Scott says, greetings, Outer. Hi, Jeff. Nice to have you with us. John Oscar says, evening all. Hello, John. Good to have you with us as well. Esna Erasmus is a regular viewer. Hi, everyone. It's still winter in Cape Town. We were promised the mother of all storms this evening, but it hasn't materialized. Hopefully doesn't. Devotion Moodley, good to see you, Devotion. Ashley uh, Elof Muller says... Elmarie van Rensburg, I think she's tagging a friend. But hello, Ashley, good to have you with us. Naresh Nana, nice to see you too. Don't forget to like and share this broadcast so we can get it out to as many people as possible. Esna says, about time for the arrests. Uh, if this is a start, I'll support it, says uh, Ernest. And we've got Paul Fawkes, uh, Fawkes, who says, who got arrested today? Big eyes like that. Uh, Janet Longman from a beautiful part of the country. Betty's Bay on board tonight. Hello, Janet. Nice to have you from Betty's Bay. Barry Krinevold says, good work, guys. Hope they get promoted to orange uh, overalls. Morera Cecil says, I support the call, Foursquare. Hello, Morera. Nice to have you with us this evening. Emil Latakhan says, hello from Zambia. Indeed, the outer hour extends past the South African borders into the African continent and beyond. If you're an international viewer, we welcome you to the show. Scott McDonald says, greetings from, oh, I don't know how to pronounce this word, Scott. Sherbinus in the UK. Uh, we'll do a couple more hellos. Hilda Mayer says, hello, outer team. 
Peter Rosemer says, greetings all. Robert Machoda says, I support the idea 100%. Nicola Good is on board. Hello, Nicola. Nice to have you with us this evening. Jürgens van der Volt from Sedgefield in the Western Cape has just joined us. Lisa Mahoney is on board. Tyron Sykes is on board. Hello, Tyron. Good to have you on board. And Gavin has joined us and more have joined and more will join. Do remember that uh, you're welcome to say hello to the outer team. They're in the comments section as we speak. Samantha van Nispen, the head of comms and magazine for outer, is assisted by Ivor Cleary. The show is put together by Benele Sinatla. Okay, let's get this show on the road and talk driver's license renewals with Dominic Mcv. Outer has called on the government to extend the driver's license renewal period from five to ten years. There are a number of reasons for this. We're going to ask Dom what they are. In the meantime, I'm going to ask for your comments on driver's license renewal periods. Five to ten years, are you in support of it? What are your thoughts? What are your questions? What are your comments? Pop them in the comments section down below and we'll put as many as we can uh, to Dominique in the remaining minutes that we've got for the segment. So let's say hello to Dominique and CV. Hello Dom, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello Tom and hello to all the viewers and listeners. Nice. Thank you for having me. Nice to have you with us, Dominique. Dominique is Portfolio Manager for the Public Governance Division at Outer and heading up this call. Uh, Dom, uh, what is the current process for driver's license renewals in South Africa? The current process entails one going to um, their department of um, traffic department of choice. When they get there, they have their photo taken they do an eye test and they um, do the application and um, then the waiting begins. You wait for your driver's license to be ready and to go and collect it. That is the ideal, that, that's the way it should be. However, in reality, it is not quite like that. We'll ask our viewers to ex uh, describe their experiences in the comment section down below. Perhaps we'll pop a couple of those up on screen. Dom, what is the related cost of driver's license renewals at the moment? It's about 260 rand to renew a driver's license right now. And that may seem like little to many of us, but it is quite a lot to um, people that are not employed, people that are struggling to put food on the table, pensioners, um, and the like. Now, Dom, our current uh, license renewal period is five years. What is uh, the international normal? How does South Africa compare to countries globally? Alta did an extensive um, research and study on um, the norms, the, the global norms. And really, many countries um, renew their driver's licenses um, in, uh, in 10 years, after 10 years. Not five. Five is a very short period of time. It passes very quickly, especially given the hurdles that one has to jump over to actually renew the driver's license. So the world um, and, and um, the other countries go on 10 years, which is a far more reasonable period than five. Most of the comments coming in so far support Outer's call to extend the renewal period from five to ten years. What is Outer doing about this? What is the challenge from Outer? First of all, we have written to the Transport Minister, Mr. Um, Figilem Balula, um, outlining or detailing our concerns and our observations and also sharing our research findings um, with him. I'm glad to say that um, we received an acknowledgement of our letter to him 
and we were assured by his desk that it will get to the minister so hopefully it will be attended to we are calling on him to extend the period from five to ten years for a number of reasons the systems that are in place right now that are used for renewals are under great strain they are just not coping you will see from the backlogs that are in um, the issuing of um, driver's licenses and these backlogs cannot be blamed on um, the lockdown of COVID. They were there before lockdown and before COVID. So the traffic department itself is not coping. And we are saying, look at the systems, extend the period to alleviate the pain and the backlog. I'm looking at some of the comments coming in and they're supporting what you say about the license department being strained. Um, Let's take a look and see. Megan uh, Schaefer says, I had an appointment for 10.30 in Sandton last week. I had my eye test done prior at an optometrist. I was in the relatively short queue by a quarter to eight. I walked out at a quarter past 12 midday. It's ridiculous to have stood in the queue for so long. Scott McDonald says it should be available completely online. Um, Karen Granger says, I don't think the issue is in renewals is as much as competence, traffic penalties, accident, history, insurance, coverage, vehicle roadworthy, etc., etc., should all be taken into account before renewals of license, driving history uh, even taken into consideration. What do we do with uh, things like that? You, you know, uh, um, uh, your, 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 your driving record, and I'm thinking of things like eye tests, if it's a 10-year uh, renewal period. How do you handle uh, those issues? Dom, have you, have you uh, considered that? Yes, I'll start by answering the eye test question um eye tests can be done at um any optometrist of choice or in a hospital be it um private or, or public and the driver can carry that letter that um satisfies that they are indeed able to see and able to drive just like we carry our driver's licenses every day it wouldn't be difficult to carry that letter with your driver's license so that you can have that, um, you can be tested every five years if if, if the worry is that um, people's um, eyesight fails over time. And then we can go to 10 years instead of five years for the renewal. Louis Skierper says, I think the bigger problem is TV licenses. The SABC are going full force to get people to pay for a service. Uh, that should be the next big thing for Outer. Leonard van der Leitkarten asks a question. Perhaps uh, Outer, our, our viewers can answer in the comment section. Where's the best place to renew a license within a 100-kilometer radius of Johannesburg? Ask Leonard. Let's see if we can help Leonard out. I know when I was a youngster, I went to Nigel, and that seemed to be a relatively short wait compared to uh, South Africa. I mean, Randberg. Andrew Snow says, Leonard, don't go to Randberg. Dixon Reddy says, I like the 10-year renewal idea. Uh, Tyron Sykes says, I waited six hours when renewing my drivers at Kempton Park. It was an entire day wasted. And a lot of people are uh, saying similar things in the comment section down below. Dom, uh, are you only asking for driver's license renewal period to be extended from five to 10 years? Or is there anything else you're asking to be amended? Um, as I said, um, the systems that um, support the renewal of driver's licenses need to be looked at um, seriously. The efficiency of the officials at the traffic department also need to be looked at, um, you know, scrutinized very, very much 
because they don't work efficiently. I mean, you get someone that insists that they it's their lunch hour, so they're going to leave their desk and go and have their tea or coffee and lunch while people wait, where they could be rotated so that there is always somebody available to do the eye test, somebody available to take the photos or to do whatever it is that needs to be done. So there's a lot that can be done to improve this process. And we're not asking for um, magic and complicated stuff. It's simple issues that will make a big difference. Got it. Dom, uh, what can our outer hour viewers and outer supporters expect in the future? What are the next steps? Um, we would like to engage with um, the Minister of Transport. Um, that is what basically the letter was saying to him, that these are the issues. Let's engage. Let's see what the best way forward is to make this more efficient and to follow follow um, global best practice. So they can look forward to those kind of engagements. Um, a week and a half ago, we sent out um, um, and we went on an information drive, information campaign, actually informing and educating South Africans with regards to what the driver's license process is right now before we asked the question of how do they feel about the process process how do they feel about the time period and all of that so there's a lot that they can look forward to because Alta is working very hard to make a positive difference in this regard and you'll keep us posted and updated on the outer hour as well as outer's uh, online platforms website and social media accounts i'm sure absolutely we will Dom, we're going to say goodbye to you because we're moving on to the uh, all-important issue of the, the national airline and what to do about it. But uh, thank you, Dom. Always a pleasure seeing you on the Outer Hour, and I hope you have a great night. Thank you very much. Same to you, Tom, and the rest of the panel. I shall be signing out of the meeting, and I'll go and follow it on Facebook. That's Thank you very much. Have a good night. Thanks, Dom. Dominique Msibi is Outer's Portfolio Manager in the Public Governance Division. Now, let's move on to SAA. Yesterday in the news, we read that the airline is suspending all operations. It seems as if they are having trouble finding a funder to keep the airline afloat. Press reports indicate that our uh, finance minister is prepared to put up some of the money, but not all of it, and even the money that has been proposed by finance is subject to conditions. What does this mean for the national airline? Uh, what to do with SAA is the big question. Tonight, we have the chairperson of the SAA Pilots Association on board with us. That's Grant Back. Hello, Grant. Good to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Tom, thanks for having me on the show, and uh, hello to all the listeners and the viewers. Uh, it's a pleasure, Grant, and good to have you on board so that we've got a, a voice representing some of the employees of our national airline. Uh, nobody wants to see jobs lost when uh, a business is in this condition, so I'm sure we'll be exploring those questions and answers as we move through the discussion. Lyndon Burns is an aviation expert, and I've waited a long time to meet Lyndon. We're meeting virtually for the first time. Hello, Lyndon. Good to have you on board. Hi. Good evening, Tom. And hi to everybody who's following and on the call today. Good to be here. Thank you, Lyndon. We'll get to you in just a moment. But Wayne, let me start with you and ask you if um, ask you for Outer's position on SAA. What what needs to happen with our national airline, which is now some using words uh, mothballed? Yeah. Look, look, Tom. I mean, uh, the best thing that could happen is if this airline was 
was was was flying and flying efficiently. Uh, you know, SAA's got a proud history. It's been a it's been a fantastic airline for 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 many years. Um, and Grant will tell you uh, and, and share with you, I'm sure, some of the the, the experiences. But you know, this is when 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 the state can run an airline and do so profitably uh, and serve this country well uh, with with tourism and business coming to these shores. Uh, keeping the by, by the way, because a, a, an airline that's based here is 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 a good money flow into the country. You can substitute it with external airlines flying, but the money doesn't come yet. It stays in those countries where the tickets are sold, the meals are prepared, uh, the the maintenance is done, and so forth. So, so we need it. The best thing is if we could have this airline flying uh, and and flying profitably. But unfortunately. It is in such a state down due to just sheer uh, political uh, bumbling and, uh, and, and poor management, uh, poor leadership, um, political interference. Uh, and, and, you know, you just wonder uh, what, what has to happen to, to pull it out of the fire. And Lyndon's got a, uh, you know, he's been following this uh, uh, very astutely for a long time as well. And so there are opposing views. We've got a great relationship with SAPA. Uh, we fought together in the trenches against Dudumnyeni. They were partners with us in that case. Uh, and the last thing that we want to see is um, is, is the loss of jobs. Uh, and, 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 you know, we need this humanity element to play out. But I think at the end of the day, when we look at it from a taxpayer's point of view, our view is that the airline needs to be replaced with a with a private entity with an international license so that the funds can be here, government with a small shareholding if it really needs to have one, but government should become an enabler of competitiveness in this space and uh, an enabler of, of, of good aviation, uh, uh, quality aviation, uh, safe aviation uh, laws and practices in this country. Um, and, uh, and, and SAA's days, we believe it's, it's, it's beyond uh, being salvaged, but that's, that's a view that many share, but others don't, you know. And, mm. and you know, to hear this announcement today or yesterday, it's just this can has been kicked down the road for so long. We wonder how much longer it can be kept on ice. Uh, uh, you know, December last year is when it was put into business rescue. We're going to be in December in a, month, a couple of months' time. And uh, it's, it's just the pandemic has come, and I think it's given the country an opportunity to look at this differently. Uh, but yeah, that's our view at the moment. Well, let's put this question that's coming in. It's, it's been repeated by many viewers, and, and that is, who would invest in SAA? Uh, Peter Rosemer puts it very bluntly. He says, uh, who asks, who would invest in a sinking ship? I'm going to pose the question to both Grant and Lyndon. Let's start with Lyndon. Lyndon, who would invest in SAA? And uh, is, it, is it an entity that uh, so someone would invest in? What, what needs to change to make it attractive, if anything? So... I think um, I think the first thing that needs to to be clarified is you know how, how do you marry up the concept of being an investor with uh, government's view of how it, you know the role that it sees for the airline. So you know an investor by definition is someone who has some money and wants to invest it in something in a vehicle that he perceives is going to give him or her the maximum return on their that investment. Uh, governments view on SAA has been slightly different as a shareholder, in fact, quite different. You know, they've got this notion of um, a development agency um, 
opening up and serving markets that would otherwise not be served. Um, and, and, and I think there there's the debate around, you know, so first of all, how do you marry those two ideologies, those two different mandates that they, they would seem to be pretty much irre irreconcilable? Um, and then you've got on top of that uh, legislation and regulations that limit um, ownership and control over, over airlines and certainly in terms of foreign investment. Um, and then you've got to ask yourself, if you were to invest, uh, what sort of leverage would you have over the airline and how would you be able to determine uh, it, you know, how it's run? And I think we don't have to look terribly far outside the airline industry. Just look at what's happened at the airport's company, uh, where, they had, where they have investors, private shareholders that came in, who've felt very aggrieved over the last few years about the fact that they actually have zero say in determining, you know, uh, what happens with that company. Um, so I think that's that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, of course, is that, you know, obviously SAA's you know, accumulated losses of 27 billion uh, between 2011 and 2019. And it's never been properly capitalized. In fact, as long as I've been following this industry uh, and I'm over the last three decades now, this airline has perpetually never been properly capitalized by successive government administrations. And it's always been a call. Listen, we need to properly capitalize the airline. And all it ever gets is a succession of, of piecemeal band-aid uh, uh, government guaranteed loans. And all that's done is dig the debt hole, put the airline into a debt trap. And now we're in a situation where Everything's accentuated with the depreciation of the, of the RAND, with the COVID crisis before that already with our downgrading as, you know, credit rating of South Africa. Uh, and then on top of that, state capture and all the other interference that got in the way. So it's a very sorry state. And I think, you know, just to echo what Wayne was saying, it, it's very easy for us to talk dispassionately and unemotively about the numbers. But there are people's jobs and livelihoods mm. at stake, and mm. I, I don't think we should ever lose sight of that. And a lot of people, you know, signed up to, uh, on the promises and the undertakings that were being made and dangled in front of them by DPE and by the rescue practitioners. Um, and, you know, quite honestly, you know, government's got to do the honorable thing here. It's either got to put up or shut up. Got it, Lyndon. Let me uh, pose the question and, and, and pose it slightly differently to Grant. Grant, is SAA still a, a worthwhile investment? And uh, when we talk investing, we talk shareholding. So I'd like you to comment on, on, on a proposed or, or your proposed shareholding structure. What would you like to see happen if an investor steps forward and says, we feel it's attractive? Is it still attractive? Well, um Firstly, I agree with a lot about what Lyndon has uh, just covered, and it was great to hear it, particularly about the employees and the government stepping up uh, to the plate uh, and uh, either you know, doing one thing or the other. Uh, and they have basically dangled a carrot consistently, saying that the money is going to be coming, and, and we do have a lot of employees out there uh, that are in a, in a very difficult way. And we really, really would like to stress to government that you know, now is the time to, to, to come to their aid. But to answer your question uh, regarding the viability of SIA, I mean, right back when we started this process in business rescue in December, we were right in there, seeds uh, rolled up, uh, ready to participate, do what we had to do from a labor perspective to make SIA work. Do we believe SIA can work? Absolutely. What does it need? 
uh, as Wayne has said, as Lyndon has said, it needs the capitalization that it never, ever got. I mean, I don't know how many uh, turnaround strategies there were. They were all, all set up for failure because they never had the primary ingredient, which is the finance that had been committed to when the plans were accepted. So that was just set up to failure for one. Uh, one of the airlines that has always been used as a comparator uh, to SAA because of its geographical uh, position is Air New Zealand. Uh, and they were in a, in, a, in a really bad position about 10 years ago. And they're one of the most successful airlines today. Why? Because they were capitalized. They got the best that they could uh, find in the industry to come in, whether it was board level, whether it was, um, you know, CEO level, senior management level, et cetera. And they really reinvented themselves and became one of the top airlines today. Uh, um, and uh, they used a lot of uh, different mechanisms that were available in the market, uh, metal neutral joint ventures, the type of thing which they got going with United at the moment which was a big, big, big boost in, in, in generating revenue for the airline. So, you know, in a nutshell, is SAA, could it work? Yes. What does it need? It needs money. What else does it need? It needs skills. Uh, so, I mean, what has it not had? Well, it hasn't had skills. Uh, you know, there's been political appointments. We've had a board that's been, uh, in my opinion, a lot of the time dictated to by DPE. The government's been constantly involved in decision-making processes. When Vianney Girano was there, he was incredibly frustrated. Uh, as he said when he when he resigned, and he said he can't continue anymore. And if you look at previous CEOs that were trying to do their best, it was continually, um, you know, their departure was uh, predicated on on the continual uh, intervention from the DPE and the lack of funds. You were living hand to mouth. You know, I, I met Vianney um, Girona many times uh, when, when he was there uh, during his stint at SA, and and often we would discuss, you know, the fact that 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 there was this constant you know, queuing up for, for further funds. So it was a trickle feeding the airline. And as Lyndon said, we just continually were living on, on, on debt. Uh, that ultimately, at the end of the day, I think it was costing us about 2 billion rand a year to finance. So how can an airline survive with, with, mm. with, with lack of skills and, and the lack of uh, the financial commitment that the shareholder was required to put in? I mean, look at the success of other airlines that have shareholder participation. I mean, Emirates is one, um, and there's a lot of speculation that their fuel is a lot cheaper, et cetera, et cetera. But they have full-blown support from their shareholder. We have never had that. It's always been questioned. And in fact, you know, as you know, Peter Davis, who was uh, the, one of the turnaround specialists, was going to join us on the show tonight, but unfortunately, uh, he, he couldn't at the last minute. I mean, he's incredibly frustrated by the seeing what's going on at SA because he passionately believed that SA could be turned around. And he went to government. He went to parliament and said, listen, it's not going to cost you 10 billion rand. It's going to cost you 21 billion rand. And everyone kind of just shuffled their feet and looked at the, you know, papers and, and, and no one committed to this. So what do they do? They just put in a little bit of money and it's, uh, and that's destined to fail. Mm. So either it's take it on and do it properly or don't do it at all. I worked for Vianney Girano when he was an executive at uh, Vodacom and when he took up the CEO position at SAA, I remember thinking he's a brave man. Uh, Grant, you represent the pilots at SAA. Uh, with the airline now effectively the operations have been uh, ceased, or operations have ceased, where does this leave employees? Uh, are people getting paid? Does anyone have any idea of what the future holds for them? So people haven't been paid since March. Uh, that was the last time that the majority of employees got paid at SAA. Unless, of course, you were uh, part of the team, and I say team, uh, that, that was able to work uh, on the repatriation flights, uh, which is on the international, 
uh, or if you were part of uh, distributing uh, food on a contract that we have at the moment up into Africa on our narrow body 320s and 319s. If you weren't part of that operational team, then unfortunately you were going to be uh, receiving uh, UIF or TERS. So that has been incredibly strenuous on everybody, all employees across the board. I mean, even SAA Technical uh, have been on, well, I think they want 50% salaries, they're now on 25% in salaries, and I think they, they down tools the other day, as you probably are aware. But it's, I mean, for, since March, there have been no salaries. We just want to define something, and I haven't got this on from the company, but I did read it in the press, I think Karen Smith wrote it in one of her articles, to say that, um, you know, there, there is a mothballing of, of uh, operation going on now, um, but that all flights that have been committed to on the long-haul repatriation flights will continue. And in fact, I think there's a flight coming up this weekend. Uh, and I think that the 319, 320s will continue on their current contract until it ceases. But there will be no more procured work uh, for, for SA. Um, you know, we are employees of the company. Uh, in our opinion, you know, uh, we, we believe that all employees should be paid uh, or retrenched. Um, and, uh, you know, or, or given a, the offer of a voluntary severance package. Um, so what the airline has done is uh, they've turned the tap off on everybody. Um, they have claimed what's called supervening impossibility, which is a type of, uh, well, it's a term uh, in, in, in law in which we can tender our services, but due to the laws of the country, for example, they are unable to allow us to tender our services. So on that basis, they claim they can't, they can't pay salaries. Um, we dispute this. Uh, for June, July, up until today, uh, as the flying has opened up around the country, uh, you know, we could have done far, we feel we could have done flying in particular uh, in the cargo area, um, which was very lucrative uh, when, when the lockdown happened uh, due to COVID. I mean, uh, I have friends flying in the east that, that are Timex at the moment. They can't fly anymore for the year uh, because they've actually flown uh, that much uh, over that period. Wow. I think the airline, had it been better run, it definitely could have got more cargo contracts and we could We've got more Viewer comments coming in thick and fast. We're going to try and get as many of them uh, on screen and to our panelists uh, as possible. Esna Erasmus raises an issue that has been mentioned before. Cut your losses, says Esna. There are various countries without national airlines. Wayne, do we need a national airline in South Africa? Do we need uh, the South African flag on the back of a plane, on the tail of our, our aircraft? Uh, if so, does that mean it has to be a, a national carrier? Uh, Esna's point is echoed by other comments uh, in the comments section tonight. What's the solution? Well, um, there are many countries that don't have a, a national carrier. So the short answer is you don't need one, but it's preferable to have one. Uh, because, as I said, uh, and Lyndon will give you some breakdown of, of, of the numbers, uh, but you, know, you could run SAA at a loss of uh, one to two billion rand a year and still have a positive benefit in the country because, because of the money flow that comes into the country, the jobs and, and, and taxes and other elements that are created as a result of having the base here. So, um, you know, th th there's, that, there's that fine line. But, but I think, uh, you know, if, if we cannot run it properly, if we cannot run it pro profitably or at least uh, profitably enough, um, to, to, to make it worthwhile for the nation, then we've got to answer the question uh, uh, directly and be blunt about it. Uh, not in this current state, no. But we've had it done run before. We've had a successful SAA. Uh, so how do we get it there 
and very, very quickly. And as Grant said, uh, there have been a number of people in and out, uh, so many plans presented. Uh, and yet, it, I, we do know one thing, that if you've got the aviation experts in, and they were left alone to do the job, and were capitalized properly, we would have a great airline. The problem is this is lack of trust in government. Uh, government has not done itself uh, any favors, and not only just in SA, everywhere you look. And so there's this trepidation, you know, uh, when government comes up with a, a good plan, you just wonder, are they able to pull it off? And what's it going to look like in five years' time when somebody else is in power or someone else is in the driving seat of DP uh, and, and starts to meddle again? That's the worry that we have in this country, uh, is government interference. Jenny Quinn says apparently they've returned all the aircraft because they couldn't pay the debt, so there's no aircraft to take over. Um, Lyndon, do you have the answer to this question? Does SAA still own or lease aircraft? What is the status? So the yeah, the airline has returned uh, the leased aircraft that it had. In other words, the ones that it didn't own but that it was paying a monthly lease fee on. Um, which is about 80% of the fleet, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And, and it's still got uh, some aircraft that it owns outright. But these are aircraft that the rescue practitioners put on the market at the beginning of the year to try and sell because uh, at the time they were the least fuel efficient, therefore the least cost efficient for the airline to operate. Um, you know, the aircraft that were very good when they were when they were purchased back in the early 2000s, but you know the uh, technologies advanced since then, and there are more efficient aircraft that are available, more efficient engines. Um, so there are still some aircraft in the fleet, and those are the ones that uh, Grant referred to that are doing the repatriation flights, and that are doing the contracts um, for transporting um, food and, and aid within Africa. Um, but that becomes an issue when the airline, you know, assuming that the rescue practitioners are able to succeed in getting funding and the airline does return to operation. One of the challenges that's going to face is, is um, you know, acquiring a fleet. Now, there are a lot of aircraft available in the market, but uh, there are also a lot of people who will have been stung by SAA and by this business rescue process. Don't forget, there are a lot of creditors in the market who are only going to get seven and a half cent for every rand that they're owed. So if the shareholder thinks that SAA is going to suddenly find people bending over backwards to do business with the airline on generous credit terms or big discounts, um, I think they're going to get a bit of a shock because I think a lot of people will say, no, you know, we, uh, comes back to, to, to what we were saying a second ago. It's about trust. Mm. Um, thanks. We'll have our cash up front or cash on delivery. And, you know, maybe after a few years, we'll, we'll talk about giving you more generous terms. Um, as it is, there are questions about the plausibility of the assumptions for the business rescue plan. They're talking about uh, the airline you know, this model that they've proposed, returning to profitability by 2024 um, with, uh, with with some very strange assumptions that, you know, they'll be able to do that with just 61% of, uh, of all available capacity being taken up, um, which is difficult enough even in, in good times, let alone when you're coming out of a, a crisis like COVID-19 crisis with a very tepid market with a lot of... Uh, you know, 
weak confidence or lack of confidence in air travel and weak economies around the world where people don't have the disposable income anymore to travel and companies are uh, are also reviewing their travel policies. So uh, I think we've got to look at that. The assumptions that were made in the rescue um, model are based on uh, an industry forecast that was done during April. And uh, at the time, people were talking, all the economists were talking about a V-shaped or a U-shaped recovery. Now they're talking about an L-shaped recovery, where we kind of bump along the bottom for a while and gradually start to pick up. Um, and I think, you know, one needs to go back and interrogate this rescue plan and say, is it actually feasible? Um, yeah. A lot of talk about needing 10 and a half billion rand now, but people are forgetting that only covers the short term stuff that only covers, um, you know, the, the, the working capital to keep the lights on and the voluntary retrenchment packages. Um, what about keeping the company going for the next four years and possibly longer uh, if the market takes longer to recover than the rescue practitioners originally thought. Mm-hmm. So these are things that are, that are not provided for really in, in, in you know, when, when government talks uh, about the funding that's needed. Um, and if you talk to, you know, transport economists, they'll tell you that actually what's uh, the quantum of what's required is probably close to 42 billion rand. Um, of course, it's not helped every time the rand devalues. There are some things in SA's favor. The, the, the fuel price, the oil price is low at the moment. But, yeah, that's going to change as, as economies recover and rebound and demand picks up for manufacturing and consumption. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of open questions and a, a, that, that, um, that have to be asked. And, and I think just to, to, to kind of close the circuit here, what Wayne was alluding to a second ago is that, you know, airlines are forces for good, generally speaking. Um, there are as many, uh, and I'm quite agnostic when it comes to ownership, there are as many failed privately owned airlines as there are profitable state-owned airlines and vice versa. It's not the ownership that's the issue. It's it's um, the mandate, the capitalization, and the, the, as Grant says, the skills and the ability to go off and do the business. Um, if we look at what the air transport sector contributes, the value of the sector for the South African... Uh, we just lost you for a second, Lyndon, but I think we, we got the point. Sorry, we lost that last bit. We'll come back to you in just a moment. I want to uh, put uh, a question that, or a couple of comments and questions that have come through from our viewers speaking about safety at the airline, uh, Grant. When I think of air travel, I think of efficiency, I think of cost, and then uh, most importantly for me, the safety of the aircraft that I'm flying in. Uh, if SAA was funded tomorrow and back in business by the weekend, uh, w- what is the status of the safety uh, at SAA? Um, well, I can tell you categorically from a pilot's perspective, uh, safety is not comp- is never a compromise. Uh, it's something we're extremely uh, serious about, as you can well imagine. Uh, and I can categorically say that SA from a flight operation side uh, is, is a safe airline. And uh, from the SA technical side, uh, I know they did have challenges as far as losing a lot of uh, skilled labor was concerned, but uh, that was raised and uh, I know that uh, there were were certain initiatives that were brought online uh, to address those issues. 
I think what's happened, though, in the last kind of post-COVID SAA is uh, that, you know, we've lost a lot of skills uh, over, over the years, uh, from, especially from a management perspective. Um, we are looking at the new structures that have been uh, proposed, and we've had a lot of, we have had and made a lot of criticism on those structures and whether they actually comply with the CAA regulations. Um, so was SAA safe pre-COVID-19? Categorically, uh, how it's going to pan out in the new the new SA version 2.0 with with new money? Uh, I think, as far as us as a union is concerned, uh, we will not allow there to be any compromises. However, we do and we have expressed concern about the current level of management. It hasn't changed. We've actually lost more skills now with the latest voluntary severance packages. The DPE has made it uh, consistently said that they were going to point a board with aviation expertise. They're going to bring in CEO. They were going to bring in new management. We've seen nothing. And I mean, any investor, and you asked this question earlier, you know, who's going to invest in SA? Well, currently, I can't imagine anyone would. The only person that's going to invest in SA right now is going to be the government. Until such time as any investor sees, A, who is the board? What is the board doing? Who's on the CEO? Who's the CEO? The COO? Where's the aviation expertise? I mean, this company is in desperate need of skill, whether it's locally sourced or sourced abroad. And, and this has been raised by the DPE and the shareholder. But we have seen nothing. It's, it's just consistently uh, pie in the sky narrative. Uh, you know, show us the money, show us the, the leadership that we so desperately need. Um, and our biggest concern and frustration is that we have brought numerous uh, plans, whether it's on the organization organizational design, which in the proper structure we, we think will be the safest option for the airline. And often, in fact, not often, always, since December, not once has that ever been taken on board and assimilated into the business rescue plan. And we have got, you know, there's a lot of, we've got 617 pilots in our union. We've got doctors. We've got guys with MBAs. We've got guys who've been in the industry for 20, 30 years. We've got test pilots. We've got all this level of expertise. And yet we are seen as the pilots. And as you know, due to me, any Wayne, what did she say when she stood up in parliament? The number one problem at SA are the pilots. Well, <laughs> we're not the problem here. We've got a huge amount of expertise, which we can bring to the table. And we never, ever get an opportunity or we get the opportunity, but we never seem to be taken seriously with what we bring to the table. And if you look at what and the money that's been wasted since December with the business rescue practitioners, bringing in how many different plans were submitted with a bank consulting or this report or that report, and it was all consistently just fed into the system, given to DPE finally. They would sit there in the meetings that we were having with Labour. We, we were welcomed and we were in the beginning of that process to make our contribution. Yet, at the end of the day, nothing we put on the table was assimilated into the plan. And DPE, with no aviation expertise at all, in fact, in my opinion, if you look at their track record as far as business is concerned, uh, it, it's not too impressive. And yet these are the people that formulated the business rescue plan in conjunction with the business rescue practitioners, who, who them in themselves had no expertise in running an airline. And what have we landed up with? We've landed up with a hybrid plan now, which, as you quite rightly said, and Lyndon, uh, that how can this plan, uh, you know, work in the long term? I mean, we've certainly got our reservations about, uh, you know, not only the plan, uh, the, the, the further amount of money that's going to be required, but also in the organization design of the company. Um, so it's been very frustrating for us because we really felt that, you know, we were willing to do whatever we needed to to get this airline 
back in the back in the sky. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know uh, all pilots want to do is uh, is fly. Uh, so it must be a very frustrating uh, being on the ground when you want to be up in the air, Grant. Uh, Grant, he has a comment that's come in from Tyron Sykes. Tyron says privatization or annihilation. As long as government has its fingers involved, it's a money pit. Is privatization the answer? Um, look. With privatization, the answer, I would say yes, because it would get government out of a controlling share. Or is there partial privatization? Is, could, could there be a model in which uh, the government, if they so wish, remains a, a majority shareholder? But whoever, whichever private equity is brought in uh, to run the company or invest in the company would have a controlling share, uh, as opposed to being dictated to by government, which fundamentally, I can't imagine anybody would do that anyway. Um, so, you know, I think... Ultimately, we need to be autonomous. We cannot be uh, dictated to by government with government agendas. We're running a business. And let's be honest, airlines run at 2 to 3% margins. I mean, this is not an industry that, you know, can be run with, uh, with, with, with personal agendas uh, or government agendas. It needs to be run as a business. It needs to be run with the best we can get to run the business. Otherwise, in my opinion, you're wasting your time. Wayne, Karen uh, Allen Granger says we need SAA or at least uh, as an uh, at least uh, freight into uh, Africa as a freight into Africa carrier. Uh, What do you think the solution is? Is it is it privatization? Is it a hybrid, uh, a hybrid uh, mix of uh, government and and private uh, equity involved? Where do you see the solution, Wayne? I'm going to put the same question I asked Grant to you. Yeah, look, I, I, we, we, we believe that exactly what Grant is saying is that, it, it, you know, government must get out of the business of business. It doesn't know how to run businesses and its political agendas get in the way. So if we have a, a good operation with the good skills and, and the capitalization, then, then we have a, a good airline. But I think we, when you start getting into its strategy, what do you want? Well, I think what we are seeing now is that the local skies are pretty much being run by private uh, airlines. Um, and they're doing well, especially low-cost uh, airlines, FlySafe. Um, you know, uh, you can see the Kalulas struggling now. They've, uh, they've got their business model wrong, uh, partially, but they'll come back. Um, and there are others that are doing very well. The question is, should SAA be flying locally? Probably not, maybe on one or two routes. Should they be flying regionally into Africa? Probably not, maybe one or two routes as well. I think SAA should be strategically aligned to five or six uh, uh, high-volume routes uh, into the international uh, uh, um, arena and and markets uh, that will feed back into South Africa and then link up and have the plans that were being put in place, by the way, by management before Dudu Mnieni came and interfered uh, with your code sharing and, and, and arrangements and agreements with other airlines to connect up and bring as many passengers as you can come on your own airline to the country, but do so with arrangements and agreements with other airlines. And it's not rocket science, this, by the way. It can be done, as Grant says. And New Zealand is really, it's at the arse end of the world. It's right down. It's, it's, it takes ages to get there. It's, it's at the end of a traffic line, and, uh, and yet they're profitable. Very similar situation to ours. Uh, if they can do it, I can assure you uh, we can do it. We are a hub for Africa. Uh, it should be able to be done. The biggest problem is trust and confidence. If you cannot have trust and confidence, which no one has in government, certain government on the Edelman Index Trust Barometer has the lowest trust of all governments measured. 
uh, in its people and its investors. And that's the biggest problem. And that's what Lyndon's saying. How do you attract investors in? You have to wipe the slate clean, bring them in, make it attractive and give them the reins. If you can do that, I think we can get SAA back uh, on, on track. The problem is the public just don't buy that anymore. And we're tired. We've been sold too many promises. Lyndon, where does the value in the airline lie? If it is uh, saddled with debt, uh, is it in the international routes? Could you explain that to us, uh, uh, just the value of, uh, of slots and where the value actually lies? If it, this reminds me of, of businesses who, who, who are licensed by government, for example, and they're saddled with debt. However, investors will still buy into the company. We have examples in the cellular industry, for example, because the license is so valuable, the customer base is so valuable. What is the value, or where does the value lie at SAA? Okay, so let's just put a couple of things in perspective. Um, the industry, air transport for the South African economy, what does it actually do? Before the COVID crisis, it was supporting 472,000 jobs. And it was those jobs, those are direct jobs as well as jobs in the supply chain and jobs supported by the spending of the wages of people across the supply chain and by the airlines and the aircraft component makers and maintenance shops and things like that. Um, and, and the sum total was about 3.2% 3 of GDP could be traced back to the enablement of the air transport industry. So it's not something to be trifled with. And SAA, because of the way in which our industry is structured in South Africa, SAA sits at the heart of that there's a lot of co and mutual codependence between airlines between the airports and the uh, and the airlines and uh, and all of the suppliers but saa is not the be all and end all of the industry it's an important cog in the south african industry so i just want to put that out there the drivers for the industry are not going to go away yes we're dealing with a crisis right now and it's probably going to take us three or four years to recover back to last year's traffic levels. But the fundamental drivers um, are that the, the population in Africa is growing and is going to explode over the next 30 years. We're expecting to add the current population of the, the equivalent of the current populace of China to the total populace of Africa over the next 30 years. So that's a, a huge imperative for governments who need to educate, clothe, house, and find willful and gainful employment for all those people. And to do that, they need to start trading, they need to start connecting markets, and that's the role that airlines play. They're the safest, most affordable, reliable, efficient ways of moving goods and people between markets, whether it's for trade, commerce, tourism, whatever it happens to be. So we're going to see growth, and the growth is compound. We're going to see growth of around 3.5% per annum in terms of traffic demand over the next 20 to 30 years. Um, so, so there is a role to be played, and that's why I think long-term people will look at the airline industry and look at the air transport sector and go, yes, it's something to support. Will they invest necessarily? Maybe not invest as shareholders if we've got the issues with these kind of crazy mandates and, and, and the political interference and micromanagement. Um, but they may look at investing in, in some of the support infrastructure and things like that. And we see a lot of investment by China in Africa in the air transport sector. Um, so, the, um, you know, 
sometimes I wonder and I think that our politicians don't recognize it or understand it or, or, or appreciate it. Um, it, it is fundamental to our, to our economy. And the other thing at the moment is that there's all this focus uh, on SAA, but our other air transport infrastructure service providers are busy um, crying at the moment because they're not getting money either. Um, and they've got huge, big revenue holes that have opened up. I'm talking there of the airports company, the air traffic navigation services, the civil aviation authority, the weather service, um, all of which play fundamental roles uh, and important roles in this whole air transport uh, uh, sector and as a fundamental enabler of economic development for the country. So, so that's really, you know, when, when you want to try and... Uh, um, wrap it all up and put a an economic perspective on it that that's why this is such a crucial thing to get right now do we need the state to necessarily own the airline probably not we're not in ethiopia where we've regulated the market to prohibit competition here we we, we welcome competition we're very happy that tourists come to the country and spend their money here we'd like it if they came on a south african airline but if they don't not the end of the world as long as they come and bring money and spend it in South Africa and help to keep people employed here. Um, but, you know, we, we have that choice to make. We could go back to 1991 and rewind the clock and close down SAF Air and limit all the choice that you have in the market, but that wouldn't, that wouldn't help our economy. So the only way forward is to have a really efficient airline. Sure. Uh, Grant, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you like to see happen next? I mean, what are you planning to do uh, as uh, the chair of the SAA Pilots Association? Are you sitting in limbo or are you engaging? Are you able to engage with anybody at the moment? You're on mute. Uh, Grant? That's going to be the, uh, that, that's, that's going to be the, the catchphrase for, for 2020. Uh, your microphone's on mute. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, to wave the magic wand, because uh, that was the first part of your question, uh, I would say get a, a strong board, uh, you know, bring in the right management team, uh, show that you're willing to relinquish control, and then put the money in that's required. You know, rejiggle, rework the plan. Um, it's not easy out there. I mean, it's, this COVID-19 has certainly been uh, a challenge. It's decimated the industry, uh, hands down. Um, I mean, um, you know, I'm part of the Starlines. Uh, we have a pilot um, association and, and we often get on Zoom calls and talk about how this has been affecting all the different star carriers around the world. Uh, Air Canada, you know, retrenched 50% of their employees. There's the CARES Act in the US, uh, which is still, I think, uh, in effect, but it might not be extended. And there's been an amazing amount of people that have lost their jobs. Uh, I mean, six months ago, there were 150,000 pilots who were gainfully employed, not today. So the industry has been decimated and it's not going to pick up. And uh, as Linda said, you know, what's the recovery going to look like? W, is it going to be a U, is it going to be an L, as you said? So it's going to be very difficult to get back in there. But we're going to need to have the best of the best to make sure that our management are run properly, our board is run properly with aviation experts. And you know what? As Wayne said, unless there's trust, well, then again, also, it's not never going to happen. And right now, there is no trust. What are we doing? You know, we're dealing with, uh, well, we did deal with the DPE. We, we had a lot of faith that they were going to see the value in getting the right people involved, listen to what we had to say, um, and, you know, show that the South African public, that they could get this right, you know, and, and an SOE that could be profitable, that could work. 
Uh, and I, in my opportunity, or sorry, in my opinion, that opportunity has passed. Um, I've seen the, the minister has become far less involved, it seems, not only in our interaction, but certainly in the press. Uh, we're dealing exclusively, it seems, with the DG of the GPE. Um, our, unfortunately, um, our minds do not uh, work in the same uh, direction uh, as how we see this airline should be run going forward. Um, so if I could wave my magic wand, I think I've covered it all. Skill, expertise, the finance that we need, but certainly not to put more taxpayers' money. And bearing in mind, we, all the employees of SA, we're also taxpayers. Okay, We don't want to see our tax revenue or RANDs go into a bottomless pit. Uh, we want to see SAA work. And if it's not going to be taken seriously and run as a proper entity, as much as I would love to see SAA remain, I, I, I cannot sit here and say, you know, do it so that we all keep our jobs. But, you know, I can guarantee you in four to five years from now, SAA will be back with the second bowl asking for more money. Mm. I think right now, my number one focus is on doing the best I can in the, op- the opportunities that I have available with the BRPs, the company and the DPE to secure the funding, to exit the guys and the, well, the employees of SA across the board, pilots, cabin crew, engineers, ground staff, you name it, amazing people that have committed so many years of their life to this great company, um, are all sitting at home doing desperate, you know, selling cars and houses and, you know, to, to just to try and make ends meet. I think that is my, my number one priority, is just to secure their exit SAA, the new SAA version 2.0, there's talk of a thousand employees. We put a lot of proposals on the table, Tom, which would maybe possibly make that 2,000 employees, mm. but on a reduced salary. And these, uh, you know, proposals have not been taken seriously at all. We're looking for ways to make the company work, to look at innovation and innovative ways to save jobs. Honestly, from what we've experienced with the company, their agenda and ours do not meet. And it's been very disappointing. Grant, uh, Karen Allen Granger says, good luck, Grant, and I echo that message. I'm sure many of us do. I'm sure I speak for many, Grant, when I say we care about uh, you guys uh, and wish you well in the future. May all of your efforts uh, be fruitful, and I do hope that we get to chat again in slightly better circumstances. Let's hold thumbs for a uh, better future for the staff at SAA. Thank you for joining us tonight, Grant Back. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Lyndon Burns, thank you for joining us and bringing your expertise to the table. We look forward to chatting with you again, uh, but thank you for making time for us at the Outer Hour this evening. Thank you, Lyndon. I'm very glad to have had the opportunity. Thanks for having me. And uh, Wayne, closing comments with you. Uh, What does Outer plan to do uh, when it comes to SAA? Are you keeping an eye on it, or are there active moves on Outer's part? Well, well, absolutely, we keep an eye on it because it is a big uh, SOE that, 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 that does drain the uh, national uh, coffers. Um, I think our, our efforts are going to be along the lines of continuing to put pressure on the, those in authority to hold those people who have decimated this airline to account. We've done it with Dudu Mieni and thanks to the Pilots Association as a joint initiative we uh, will continue, which is trying to appeal that. But there are others, uh, Yaki Krenani, Nancy, and others that are that are uh, implicated, and they need to uh, be held accountable as well. So there's that element of the work. We want to put the new board under pressure to also do their part, like the SCM is doing, in holding lo- past uh, executives to account for, for their problems. 
uh, for their uh, participation in the problems that they created. Uh, and then it is about this, where, where to with SA. Our view is that if we cannot get it up quickly and get these decisions as Grant and, and uh, Lyndon have put forward uh, to the fore and fast, and as we said, it's not rocket science, then we have to put pressure on governments to, to let go and let go in a way that, that doesn't, that has the least pain on jobs in this country and the least pain on business and tourism in this country. That's and what that looks like. We don't know, but we but we continue to engage with our, our experts and our panelists and and our advisors in the space. Uh, and and uh, but but just going forward, uh, aside from from SA, I think I think what we need to start doing as a country is start celebrating the wins that we have in the fight against corruption because we sense that that wheel is turning as i said at the beginning of the show and there's a lot of exciting stuff that's happening in that space and there's so many good projects and so many good things that the team is doing right now uh, i can i can tell you we're also moving into our new offices we're saving a lot of money because we've embraced remote working we still have a home in an office but much smaller on a, on a rotational scale of work and there's exciting stuff happening uh, this is not a doom and gloom space at Arta, I can assure you, it's highly energized. And as a country, I think we need to seize the opportunities to get ourselves out of a hole that is a lot deeper than it was six years, uh, six months ago. But the prosperity and the, and, and, and the opportunities are so big. And if we grasp them and do it properly, get the expertise and then get government to work for its people, not for itself, uh, we, we, we have an amazing future. Thank you, Wayne. Always good to see you. Can't wait to see you soon. Wayne Divinage, CEO of Alta. Thank you, Wayne. Chat soon. Well, it seems quite often, doesn't it, uh, that the SAA situation is a double-edged sword. On the one hand, you've got a struggling economy without money to pump into a failing airline. On the other hand, you've got lives at stake, uh, jobs at stake. Uh, the national pride comes into it. Uh, I keep thinking of the word efficiency. When I think of the airline industry, you need efficiency everywhere. Efficiency in management, efficiency in, in costs, efficiency in, in, in running the, air, the airplanes, efficient airplanes, etc., etc., etc. And the more and more we talk about it, the more we talk to experts, as much as it seems to be a doom and gloom situation, daily headlines reminding us of this doom and gloom, I'm one of the, the crowd that believe with the right people in place, with the right amount of efficiency, uh, the SAA could fly to the moon and back. Uh, but that would take maximum effort on all parts, I'm sure. We wish SAA the best of luck as we say goodnight to you this evening. And we're thinking of the staff at SAA and hope that there, a resolution will be found that will, that will satisfy both the South African citizens, the taxpayers, and the staff at SAA and produce a result that is beneficial for us all. Well, I'd like to thank you. Uh, wow, how quickly this went. Uh, so nights like this, I wish we, would, uh, we, we wish we had a three-hour show because we can't run out of questions and we can't run out of you. So thank you very, very much for joining us this evening. Wherever you're watching from, from inside South Africa, please stay safe and warm if you're in chilly Cape Town, dry if you're in a threateningly apparently wet Johannesburg. Uh, and if you're watching from outside of the borders, thank you for making the effort to press play. 
So our, to our live viewers who've watched this evening, thank you. And to you, if you've been watching post-live, if you pressed play on the show after the live show and you've sat through and watched, then a very big thank you from, from me to you for hitting that play button. Please stay safe. Look after yourself. Try and make a round or two between now and next Wednesday. But most importantly, make a date with the outer team and myself, Tom London, for the outer hour at ten, uh, 7 o'clock next Wednesday. This show is produced by Benella Sinatla. Inside the comments, section tonight were Samantha Van Nispen and Ivor Cleary. I'm Tom London and I miss you already. Join Outer now and become part of the solution. To join Outer, go to outer.coza and click